Good morning, everyone. My friends, the church celebrates the final solemnity of year A. Uh, we have three cycles in our church, A, B, and C. So uh, beginning next week, Sunday, will be Advent, and we begin a new cycle, cycle B, and we'll hear from the Gospel of Mark. We've been hearing from the Gospel of Matthew and A. And we end our liturgical cycle with this great solemnity of Christ, the King of the universe. So praise be our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Christ, as our King, claims dominion over all creation, over all universes, over everything. He alone deserves to receive a throne not only in the heavens and on the earth, but in the human heart. Powerful though he is, he does not win our hearts by force or military conquest. Rather, he invites us to be the people of his eternal and universal kingdom. Jesus does not play upon our instinct to be part of his greatness because he himself fulfills it and then hands it to you. His is not a kingdom of deceit and destruction like we see today by leaders of nations in this world. His is a kingdom of truth and of life. It is a kingdom not of evil and of conceit, but of holiness and of grace. It is a kingdom not of exploitation and hatred and violence, but of justice and love and peace. As members of his church, we are called to be a sacrament of this kingdom. A sacrament is something visible that points to the invisible. So, as his church, we are called to be a sacrament of this kingdom, a sign to this world of what the kingdom of God really is. The kingdom is already present, and yet the scripture says it is to come. It is present among us in imperfect form, but by the way in which we live as faithful and faith-filled people, we will help to bring it to perfection when Christ our King will come in his glory. So to his people, I say, you need not be unimportant people whose lives are absorbed by trivial living out of inconsequential routines which inevitably leads to a meaningless death. Life is not absurd. Life is not some random constellation of happenstance. It is a sharing in the one really great movement, his movement, found in history and now as faithful disciples of Christ the King. From the sacred scriptures for the solemnity, our first reading from Ezekiel, God is portrayed not so much as a judge to his people, but as someone who cares for them, as a good shepherd, cares for his sheep. He loves them, feeds them, takes care of them. The second reading from 1 Corinthians. St. Paul tells us at the end of time, Christ will reign as universal king having overcome all hostile forces, including even death. The gospel for today tells us that there will be a judgment. There will be a time when he will judge. Perhaps we don't know exactly when that will be, and we don't know exactly how that judgment will happen, 
But we are told, as disciples of Jesus Christ, and furthermore, all people, because it says everyone, all kingdoms will come before him. Even those who do not believe will come before him. And they will be judged on what they did and did not do. And what we do and what we do not do is love. So we will based on love. That is what these scriptures tell us about how you loved or how you failed to love and care for someone else. In the evening of our lives, we will be judged on love. Now, my friends, there are different types of love. I love chocolate cake, but that is not the kind of love Jesus is talking about. He is talking about, theologically speaking, what is called hesed. And I taught you what that word meant. It is a covenantal type of love that is selfless, that gives and puts the other first. So if you want to be God-like, if you want to imitate him, you must do what he has done. Christ has put others before himself when he came. You became first. So in order to be like this, we must be like him then. We will be judged by how we loved others or did not. So my friends, in the scriptures, uh, in the gospel, it said he will come and bring his angels with him. So that means he's somewhere, right? St. Paul says uh, he is the firstborn of the dead uh, in body, and uh, he took others with him, meaning souls and spirit, the souls of the just. There is somewhere. But also in the gospel said, and there's a place for the unjust. So they went somewhere too. Where are they? And the world would say, you have a king, his name is Jesus, where is his kingdom? Ah, let us talk about that. So my friends, I am a priest in the Roman Catholic Church, but I am also a pastor. Not all priests are pastors, but I am a pastor also. As a pastor, I'm an extension of the ministry of the Archbishop of Seattle. And as with him, he is to be, and I am to be, an example of Jesus Christ to you. Pastor, in the Greek, in the Latin, means shepherd. So, I have been given a task, a mission, for the care of your souls. I'm not making that up. It's in the Catechism of the Catholic Church. And it's in a document the Archbishop gives each pastor. And by the way, here's what you are to do. Now, my friends, this is achieved, being your pastor, by his grace. I'm talking about Jesus Christ. And through the sacraments of the church. My friends, the office of pastor includes these words, priest, prophet, and king, which correlates to this, to teach, to sanctify, and to govern. So I want to talk to you about this. I'm not going to talk to you about the governing part because it's boring. But I will tell you this much. As a pastor, to govern means to take care of the physical needs of the church, and we have a school and of the school. I make decisions about policy and stuff. That's what it means. To teach is what I do every Sunday, 
with my long homilies. And we do that through faith formation. It also says to sanctify. And I want to talk to you about the sanctification part. So my friends, the church herself is a sacrament, a visible sign that leads to the invisible. This is the teaching of the church. You'll find it in the catechism. And so it follows then that if the church is its people, you know, you see where I'm going, don't you? The church is not just brick. It is you. So then, if the church is its peoples, then each of you should become sacrament-like, meaning being a visible sign that leads to the invisible Jesus Christ and to his kingdom. Are you following? Look at you guys. You're like, yes, yes. In this sense, the church is to sanctify the world, to sanctify the others. And of late, we hear a lot about the new evangelization, the new evangelization, and that's wonderful. We are an ancient church, so what is this new evangelization? Part of that, I think, that we need to be as church is about the sanctification of the world. We must assist Christ with this. So let us take a look at this. Let us first look at the human person. The human person is made of three parts. The physical, the body that you see. The mind, which reasons, and most of us have good reasoning, some of us better than others. And then there is spirit or soul. These are the three components of the human person. Regarding the spirit, it comes to understand itself not by way of reason and not necessarily by the physical, but by being able to experience the sacred. Where do you think your soul came from? Yeah. It came from him. It came from the sacred. It came from that kingdom. It is the dwelling of angels and all the angelic hosts. One necessarily must enter into that dwelling for sanctification. That part is the invisible. Regarding the universe, this is important. I want you to listen, follow, don't doze off just yet. Regarding the universe, and this is science, it has two parts. The visible and the invisible. The invisible is where the angels live, as well as souls and spirits. And apparently there is Satan and some bad angels living there too, but in a different area. The visible is where you live. You're sitting right here in this pew. You're looking at the flowers. You're looking at Father Mark. This is the visible. But... Because uniquely, we human beings have not only a body and not only a mind, but we have soul, and that soul has something about it. It has a spiritual intuition to understand 
the sacred. You don't need a PhD to understand this. You don't need it because it is different. And it is through that that we come to understand and experience God. As it is, we human beings, because of the way we are, we straddle both the visible and the invisible. Both sides. The visible and the invisible realm. For we have built within us the sacred. And because of that, I'm talking about your souls, if you're not following. Within us is this. And this is particularly for encountering God on the invisible side of things, so to speak. So let us talk about culture. Our culture, meaning our world, in a general way accepts the idea of the invisible. For example, and this is very simple, right now you can see me and perhaps you are all smiling at me. Perhaps some of you have nodded off. I can see from up here. Some of you are nodding in solidarity with me. But invisibly, what I cannot see is if you're pondering, when is he going to be quiet? <laughs> when will it end, this homily? You see, visible, and then the invisible. And there is much more to the visible than visible. And science knows it. I challenge all of you, especially our young ones, because you're great about Googling. You Google everything. Google quantum physics, black holes, wormholes, dark matter, and alternate realities, meaning other planes of existence. In other words, there's a whole realm of invisible that science is just now beginning to detect by way of mathematics and scientific advancements. This is the part that I don't understand. They acknowledge that there is the invisible in our universe. But when it comes to God and angels and spirits, they laugh at us. They scoff at us and consider it to be nonsense. Science fiction. Oh, you Christians with your science fiction. Well, for some of you with your gray hair, do you remember 75 years ago what was considered science fiction? It ain't no more. <laughs> Jesus has told us about this. It's in the scriptures. He has spoken to us about the invisible. He let us know about it. We don't need to spend billions of dollars researching it. Jesus speaks about the invisible, about his kingdom, and all the heavenly hosts and realms. And here's the sad part about all of this. Many, many people have lost touch with this. Such folks have become so confused that they are not even aware of the spiritual intuition of the sacredness within them. They rely only on the reasoning mind and fleeting emotions of the body. Most have forgotten that the human is not just a bag of bones and flesh that can reason like a monkey, but that we have spirit. 
in this humanity has lost touch with its truest aspect about itself. And my friends, of late it has manifested in our times with people so lost and so restless and with confused identities. I don't know. I'm he, she, it, they, them. I don't know. 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 You see? But after praying, I knew there was a word that I wasn't getting, and now I have it. The great discontentment of the human race. And that plunges people into hopelessness. So, when we speak about the new evangelization, we must, think, we must speak about sanctification. We Catholic Christians need to start speaking about all of this. When I wrote this homily, the first thing I was afraid of is that all of you would say, oh my gosh, he's lost his mind. Because we're afraid to talk about these things. We do so with care, though. We need to reintroduce people to themselves and who they truly are in God, to that spiritual part of themselves that have been misunderstood and for some has been long forgotten, to remind them of the dignity that they possess and that God loves them because they are a part of Him. Everyone. There is no human that is not this way. Even the ones that do bad things have a soul and thus have the ability to connect or reconnect with the sacred. We have to reintroduce them to that as part of the new evangelization. This is the part of the sanctifying mission of the church of you. To teach, to sanctify, to govern. Now, as pastor, I told you how I govern. You guys govern over yourselves and over your children as much as they allow you to do so. My friends, we must bring people into the realm of the sacred, the invisible, so that by contact with it, to encounter it, and it's not even it, it's a who, to reside within it, so that they can walk in holiness and not feel discontentment and loss and confusion. For the past couple of homies, I've been telling you, if you could only see yourselves as God sees you, this is part of that. To remember the sacredness that is the human person. We have the capacity to teach, and to sanctify, and to govern. And we need to. The world needs this. If we do this, he will come quicker. Now, most of you were babies at baptism, so you don't know the baptism rite. But in the baptism rite, the priest or deacon anoints your breastplate and the top of your head. And in that anointing, he says, you share in Christ as priest, prophet, and king. He's talking about you. The correlation is 
to teach, to sanctify, and to govern. Govern your emotions. Govern over yourself. Teach the truth about Jesus Christ. Sanctify the world. This is what the Christian people are to do. Enough with the hatred. Stop telling people that God hates them. Because that is a lie. He may not like some of the things we do. But he does not hate. And Christ expects from us to teach, to sanctify, and to govern. Let us help those who are suffering and who are lost. If we do this, the world will become sanctified and the king will return. And all those who disbelieve will accept this king. Amen?